me, Damien. It's all for you. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Red rum, red rum, red rum. They're coming to get you, Barbara. This is Sports and More Live, where almost anything goes. Coming to you live from the marsh, just outside of Edmonton. Here's your host, the devilish Dean Millard. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. Death! I've just seen death! Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive. Look, I don't care what people say. Maximum Overdrive is a tragic masterpiece. <laughs> that movie was directed on cocaine, straight and simple, and King admits that. He doesn't even remember making that damn movie. Wow. Um, but it's entertaining. I mean, I know you remember the trailer for that movie. It's like Stephen King in the trailer, and he's talking to us, the audience. He's yeah. like, hey, my name is Stephen King. And and he has the crazy cross-eyed shit going on because he's totally out of it. Um, and, you know, at that time, Stephen King was like the most powerful writer of all time. He so was the he's goat. Like, hey, man, my favorite band is ACDC. They're yeah. going to do this whole album for me. Who made who? That album was done for Maximum Overdrive. And then the movie bombed, so they switched the cover. Welcome to this special edition of uh, Sports & More, the podcast on this October 31st it is indeed halloween my favorite day of the year and today's podcast as you heard is going to have a horror movie theme that was kevin martin the owner of the lobby dvd shop not the uh award-winning uh, multiple briar world champion gold medalist kevin martin the curler uh this is kevin martin from the lobby dvd shop and uh, you can find it in the uh, Strathcone area uh, by the uh, Metro Cinema uh, near White Ave. It's uh, really, really cool. And he's got uh, an, an amazing assortment of um, not only DVDs, but VHS and Blu-ray, of course. You can check it out at thelobbymovies.com. That's thelobbymovies.com. Dot com And because it's Halloween and because I love it and because horror movies um, are great when done right, uh, we are celebrating uh, some of the best horror movies today. Uh, so we're going to get into that with uh, Kevin Martin, uh, who is with the Lobby DVD shop. Uh, by the way, if you like this, you'll like my other podcasts. Uh, you can check them all out at podcastalley.ca. Uh, this week on the Cannabis 101 podcast, uh, we are celebrating Halloween and cannabis with a free viewing that we took that took place on Monday of A Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a meet and green event, uh, so you can check that out. Uh, Friday will be a Prospects baseball show, and of course, uh, you can hear past episodes of uh, sports and more. Uh, and of course, uh, we have a gift card up for grabs for Acme Meat Market Trivia. Uh, you can uh, check them out. Say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton. That's at 9570 76th Avenue. And you can also check out uh, their website as well, acmemeatmarket.ca. Acme Meat Market since 1921. And know that when you get something from Corey the Butcher, that's his Twitter handle, by the way, at Corey the Butcher. Uh, if you're getting something from him, you're getting it from one of Canada's top butchers. Recently, he was named to Team Canada for the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. And just recently, uh, this past weekend, he was uh, in out east uh, for an event with Team Canada. It looked really cool. So you can check out some of the pictures that he has up on his uh, Twitter account. 
and you can follow Acme Meat Market as well. So uh, after the interview with Kevin Martin from the Lobby DVD shop, I will give you the Acme Meat Market uh, trivia question. You send in your answer, and you could be going home with a gift card uh, to Acme Meat Market and uh, get some uh, delicious, delicious food, uh, whether it's uh, uh, pork or beef or whatever it is uh, you are uh, informed. They have great selection, and it's really high quality. So you can get me on Twitter, at Doc Millard. You can also uh, email email us, uh, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's how you enter for the Acme Meat Market trivia question. It will be a horror-themed. The answer will be in the interview, actually, with Kevin Martin. So let's get to that now. Very pleased to uh, bring aboard the podcast, Kevin Martin from the Lobby DVD shop. Um, this is not a uh, second career after winning countless Briars and world championships on the ice. It's a different Kevin Martin, uh, but also very unique because Kevin, uh, you are the owner of the Lobby DVD shop. And uh, honestly, there are not a lot of shops like you uh, that carry not only DVDs, but VHS, Blu-ray. Uh, there's just not a lot of stores like that anymore. No, there isn't. By the way, thanks for having me on, baby. And real quick about the curling reference, we have like a, a curling team for our, our bar that I work at as well. And every time, every year it's time to book uh, a lane to get me to book underneath my name. Just yeah. to see the disappointment when we walk in. They're like, ah, oh, we thought you were the other Kevin Martin. I'm like, yeah, sorry, boy. Sorry to let you down. I can't even stand on this ice. But um, no, uh, it's I'm actually the last rental video store in Edmonton. I think there's one out in Spruce Grove still. Um, but as far as I know, uh, after the last 14 years of it open, I've seen every other store shut down, obviously. Um, it's a good thing. I don't believe in making money, and I love what I do. So <laughs> you got those two variables. You know, I got no kids. I got no wife. My cats are fed. I'm a happy cat. You know, so got to keep the dream alive. You know, going to the video store was such a ritual uh, for me as a kid, especially with horror movies, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, um, her and I would go and rent like uh, 10 horror movies in a week and just binge watch them. And I and I love October for a couple of reasons. Major League Baseball playoffs, because I love the excitement of that. And game Hall- seven, baby. Yeah, game seven tonight. <laughs> no kidding. And Halloween. Yep. Halloween is such a fun time to be around. Um, you know, what's the, is it the, the nostalgia fans that come in around Halloween and rent the classics, uh, you know, the, the Friday the 13th or the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets that you find a little bit more traffic around Halloween with people? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, this is a magical time of year where it doesn't matter if they're 18 or 80. And like my demographic customers, they're all over the landscape. I mean, being on White Ave, you know, having the U of A right there. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And nothing like makes me more satisfied as being like this odd, like pop culture teacher to these young lads that whatever movie they think they like is actually a remake of something far better. So, you know, it breaks my heart every time a kid comes in and says, Hey, Kev, you got the Hills Have Eyes? And I'm like, You mean the 2005 or 1977? And they're like, Well, that's a remake? I'm like, You know, for you, two for one rental. Know your history, my that's good That's right. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love, no, the, I love the history uh, lesson. Sorry, I love the history lesson that you give out uh, when renters come in to, to get something. That is a great way to do it. Oh, for sure, dude. I mean, the thing a lot of people don't get is like, they're like, Cap, why do you keep the store going, man? You've made no money. You know, you barely get by. You work way too much. I'm like, yeah, but I love what I do. And in the lack of money the shop's made in 14 years, we created a film festival called Dead Fest, which we've done for 12 straight years at the Garnet Metro Cinema where we bring in actors and directors and we show these old school classic movies to like, you know, a good two, 300 beer drinking crowd of genre horror movie fans. We filmed a series of short films in the video store that have played at festivals all over North America and Europe with my ugly mug on the big screen. So, you know, what I lack in money, I definitely get satisfaction in all the other pluses that come with it. 
not every day I can say, you know, Henry Rollins comes into my store and wants to talk movies for two hours with me, which was, you know, surreal moments like that. It's very cool stuff. Wow. That is, uh, what, what, what was that like? Oh, dude, it was super intense. Growing up, I was a big punk rock fan in the 80s, a Black Flag, very inspirational band. Plus, Rollins doing a spoken word. I'd seen him in town before. So he was a guest of ours back in 2015. We were premiering one of his new movies, and he wanted to come down, which blew our mind away. We had him staying at the Varscona Hotel in White Ave. Once he found out that I ran the last video store in town, he was like, I have to go to this video store. So picture having like your very grumpy intense uncle in your store but in the coolest way possible yeah and uh the man just talked and talked and talked and it was i was just soaking it all in i'm like i, I can't believe henry rollins is in my store you know it, it's like for us super nerds you know, i don't know you seem like a good pop culture knowledge of the 80s yourself growing up on these fine movies had another guy in his name was michael bean and i remember i kept telling people i'm like man, michael <laughs> bean's coming to a and be like, who's that? I don't know who that is. I'm like, yeah, you do, man. Terminator, aliens, you know, the abyss. I'm like, oh shit, that dude. I'm like, yeah, man, that dude. And again, having talking movies with him. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is who cares? I'm not paying the bills. This is like, you know, this is stuff you soak in once in a lifetime. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, speaking with yeah. uh, Kevin Martin, uh, the owner of the Lobby DVD shop, on this uh, special Halloween edition of Sports and More, the podcast. All right, let's. Uh, Let's get down uh, to business when it comes to uh, horror movies, scary movies, uh, slasher mm-hmm. movies. Uh, I guess there's uh, they're they're all kind of in in one category. Let's start out and and get it out of the way. What are say yeah. the three worst horror movies that you've seen? Uh, like what are what are some horror movies that you would recommend to people to stay away because you're going to be disappointed? Because uh, listen. In the genre, and I'm a big Western fan, uh, there's way yeah. there's way more bad movies than good, but a horror movie, a bad horror movie is just extra disappointing because you want to be scared and you're not. It's just a major letdown. What what would you avoid when it comes to horror movies? Well, you know, it's an interesting way, Dean, because remember, there are horror movies that are so bad, they're good. You know what I mean? Like, they're not scary, but goddamn, are they entertaining. But then there are horror movies that are so bad, they're just boring and right. so forgettable. And sadly, like in the last 20 years, man, half of them are remakes. Yeah. Like they're all remakes. They're, they're missing the boat completely. It would made the originals good. You know, like whether it's a remake of the fog or a remake of nightmare on Elm street. I mean, these are just crap. They're like, they're like over glorified music videos with no heart and no, no creativity whatsoever. It's just, you've been to a theater where the crowd's just like, God, this sucks. I'm just not into it. Um, like, I don't know. There, there are bad, and then you know, I could say you know the obvious ones like Planet Nine from Outer Space, or the really shit ones from the, like the the seventies, eighties that just have not aged well at all. Um, you know, everybody thought they could be a filmmaker back in the day, and most of the worst ones are actually zombie movies because it's like, hey guys, let's make a movie. All right, what are we gonna make? Well, our acting sucks. We don't got a lot of money. People love zombies though. So let's just do that. So for every 10 zombie flicks that come out, nine of them are absolute shite. Um, any specific ones that come to mind, like, like I said, man, all I'm thinking is remakes. Like, goddamn, I remember seeing the remake of Vince Vaughn's Psycho in the movie theater in 1998. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of excited, more intrigued. I'm like, that was, I want my money back. I haven't been that angry since Weekend at Bernie's 2. Like, I wanted my money <laughs> back. That thing was god-awful. Um like original movies that just totally missed the boat. There are quite a few of them. Uh, again, whether it's badly dated because of the, you know, the early st- stages of CGI, like sequels that weren't necessarily American world from Paris. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. What were they thinking? After you know? the original was good. Dude, the original. I mean, yeah. I that's one of the ones I love recommending to people, you know, especially you get a lot of cats in the shop. They're like, Kev, I want to get into horror movies, but I'm kind of a chicken shit. So what's something that's kind of scary, but kind of funny at the same time? And like American World from London is a perfect example. One of my all-time favorites, it's, by the way, it's so much easier talking about great movies than shitty movies. One of my all-time favorites is Return of the Living Dead from that day five. That movie is mint on every level possible. But, uh, I'm curious, man. What is what do you think is the shittiest horror you ever saw? Um, I gotta know. Yeah, there's a movie called The Mangler with uh, mm. Robert Englund Stephen in it. King. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's a, it's an interesting story, but the movie was terrible. <laughs> I know, man. It was like you know what? I think it was a Stephen King short story. It was and from so, Night yeah, Shift. We, we both, 
Yeah, you got it, man. Great cover, that book. It was, with the wow. mummy hand, yeah, and the eyes, yeah. Yeah, man, the bandages, that's some good stuff right there. Yeah, the Mangler was shit, and I, I assume that you gave up after that and didn't bother watching the Mangler 2 or the Mangler Reborn as well. Didn't even know they existed. I, 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 oh, yeah, I baby. blocked it from my memory. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We live in a time of day where, like, the Mangler, ironically, just got this beautiful, way too nice of a Blu-ray release with a brand new documentary and interviews. And it, it's funny, though, if you ever revisit a movie that you thought was shit 20 years ago and maybe rewatching it now, knowing what you're getting into, you kind of look at it differently. You know, I, you have both ways it works something you loved when you were a kid and you watch it now and you're like, what the hell was I on? On the flip side though, something that you thought was just garbage 20 years ago, you rewatch it now and you're like, you know, this has some charm to it in a really awkward, bizarre way. So it can go either way. You know, it's, but, uh, yeah. it, it's interesting. I, uh, I just watched Children of the Corn, the original, uh, the other day, and then Linda and, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a, it's a great, uh, early appearance from, uh, uh, Linda Hamilton, and then I I started to watch the remake, and I know oh. I know the remake is closer to the actual Stephen King story than the yep. the movie is. The movie changes a little bit, but I could yeah. I, I I bet you it lasted twenty minutes. I'm like, this is garbage. Like there is well, something the so with, good about that first one with the uh, yeah Malachi, like she, you know, just the, just oh my there. goodness, it's so it, good, it's so good, and anything with kids, Kevin, freaks me it, out. So the mission accomplished I with totally the original. Agree. They're uh, real quick on that remake. Um, the reason it sucks, the kids they cast in that one were not scary. Did you notice the guy they get to play Malachi in that remake? Yeah. It's like the kid didn't look scary, so all they did was give him an oversized gigantic hat yeah. to try to make it more intimidating. Yeah, he was not and at that, all intimidating or uh, freaky at all as as compared to the original. No, and, and the couple in that movie, they were just so fucking annoying. You're, you're not cheering for them. That's a problem, man. If, if you're not cheering for your, like, protagonist, you don't care if they live or die, you've already checked out five yep. minutes into the movie. All they did was bitch at each other the entire journey, right? Yeah. So it's funny you mention that because another Stephen King movie that he redid because the Look, I don't care what people say. Maximum Overdrive is a tragic masterpiece. <laughs> that movie was directed on cocaine, straight and simple, and King admits that. He doesn't even remember making that damn movie. Wow. Um, but it's entertaining. I mean, I know you remember the trailer for that movie. It's like Stephen King in the trailer, and he's talking to us, the audience. He's yeah. like, hey, my name is Stephen King. And, and he has the crazy cross-eyed shit going on because he's totally out of it. Um and, you know, at that time, Stephen King was, like, the most powerful writer of all time. He so was the he's GOAT. Like, hey, man, my favorite band is ACDC. They're yeah. going to do this whole album for me. Who made who? That album was done for Maximum Overdrive. And then the movie bombed, so they switched the cover. But um, then he remade the movie, though, closer to his story. It was called Trucks, and it came out in the late, early 90s. But even though it was closer to his short story, it was actually worse. So sometimes just leave it alone, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um Okay, so before we get into some of the best horror movies, music yes, is what makes a horror movie scary, in my opinion. Like, yep. listen, I I watch a lot of sports, and on I have two TVs in my studio, so I'll put a hockey game on one, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put a horror movie on the other just to to see what it, one I haven't seen that I don't want to invest too much time. But if it looks really good, I'll watch it later without sound, and they're not nearly as scary. If you don't have good music, I don't care how good. Uh, the jump scares are, or the plot is, or the acting is, if you don't build up suspense with music, you don't have a good movie. Oh, no-brainer for that. I mean, you know, I'm I'm with you. Like, uh, I was going to say a real horror story. I was watching the orders play last night. Yeah. But anyways, moving on. Um, no, it's true. You, a uh, great example for that is when John Carpenter made the original Halloween, he showed it to his producers, but the music wasn't done yet. And you're like, this isn't scary at all. Like, there's... This is, this is bad, really bad. Wow. And then they add the music. It's amazing what they can do. On a really more recent note, uh, this Sunday that just passed, we just had a screening of the original Evil Dead, the original one from 1981 at the Metro Cinema. 400, well, 300 and some people showed up. It was pretty impressive. But what made this special was Sam Raimi was never happy with the music in the movie because they had no time or money 38 years ago. So this year, they went back in the studio. He used all of his Spider-Man dollars hired a whole new orchestra, and they recut the whole thing with brand new music. Wow. And I'll tell you, man, it actually made that shit creepy. Like, it was beautifully done. So the power of music, hell yeah. Without it, you know, you got nothing. 
like you said, you can't rely on jump scares. Yeah. I think they're relied on too much these days. Too many jump scares. A hundred percent. You know, my my one of my favorite things ever for a horror movie is the uh, uh, when when Jason is walking and you just hear the that that sort of thing. Yeah. Like that is. Um, you know, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you song is freaky because, again, it involves kids. But, um, you know, for me, the two best theme songs are The Exorcist and, and Halloween. And if you had to pick between the two, I know it might be like uh, picking between kids if you had them. But those yeah. two are the greatest horror theme songs, I think, of all time. What about you? I 100% agree. In fact, the beauty of going to see a John Carpenter movie is not just because he's directing or writing it. The man does all of his own music himself. In fact, the last two years, John Carpenter and his kid, they've been traveling across North America putting on concerts, doing all the music from all their movies, whether it's Halloween, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in China, They Live, all these movies. And I, the closest he's come to Edmonton is Seattle. A bunch of my buddies went, and they said it was unreal, dude. Wow. Like, like, it was like Carpenter's having a blast, you know? Here's this chain-smoking, hippie, 70-something-year-old horror director, and he's rocking it out on stage. But, yeah, and Tubular Bells for The Exorcist, uh, you know, it, it, it could be that's more a complicated song, or it could be something so simple as John Williams' score for Jaws. Are you kidding me? Like, right. it, it resonates. Or, or Hitchcock's Psycho. You know, these are, these are songs. These are music that works. And, yeah, that, without the music, you got nothing. You really don't. Yeah, I uh, and you know what? Listen, I, I want to get into a little bit about uh, you know some of the classics. What I consider, like I, I consider The Exorcist the scariest movie of all time. Uh, it took me about four or five times to finally get through it uh, as a as a young person. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you first before we get to some of those big ones, what do you think yeah. are some underrated horror movies? Like, what would oh, you consider geez. like an underrated horror movie that maybe? Maybe it's a new one, or maybe it's an old one, but uh, you know, not not some of the bigger names that we hear of out yeah. there. What would you consider underrated? All right, well, you know, like I'm a kid that grew up in the video stores in the early '80s, right? So, like, that was my babysitter. This is before Blockbuster. This is when ten-year-old me could walk into a video store and rent anything I wanted, and Bob's Video Store didn't bat an eye. You know, Blockbuster ruined that shit by stopping us that age, but. Um, one that always comes to mind, uh, it kind of got buried in the shuffle between The Omen and The Exorcist, would be 1977's The Sentinel. And The Sentinel, the first time I ever heard about that movie was in the Tom Hanks movie, The Burbs. I don't know if you remember that bad mm-hmm. boy. I yep. love that movie. And there's a scene in The Burbs with Corey Feldman and Tom Hanks talking with the creepy neighbors in this crazy house they got, and they're trying to figure out what's going on there. And Corey Feldman's like, maybe it's like that movie, The Sentinel, where it's like a gateway to hell. So The Sentinel, what makes it fantastic, so it's about this model in New York, right? She's not ready to commit to marrying her agent boyfriend, so she still wants to live on her own. So she finds a sweet pad by Central Park, and the real estate agent's like, yo, it's a beautiful place. It's got great lighting, great scenery. Don't mind the creepy blind priest that just stares out of his third-story window all day <laughs> holding a giant crucifix. He's totally fine. And then she goes in there and then meets all the neighbors and shit. And you got some big-time actors. You got Murgis Baradith from Rocky. You got Beverly D'Angelo from National Infusification. Christopher Walken shows up in it. Jeff Goldblum's in it. Wow. And basically, yeah, the building may or may not be a gateway to hell. And it boggles my mind how this movie is not bigger than it ever should have been. So the Sentinel on that whole demonic exorcist kind of omen vibe is a perfect example of a forgotten gem. Uh, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, when it comes to sequels um, for mm-hmm. the greats, uh, like I did not think uh, the sequels to the exorcist uh, hold a candle. Uh, I, 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 I'm not even sure I would recommend watching them. This is just me. Um, the, the Omen franchise, I'm, I've watched the first one, which was, you know, that, uh, the scene where the babysitter, where she's Damien, it's all for you. It's just for like, you, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Um, and then the second one I've, I've watched, I, I tried to watch the third one, but I cannot find it on any streaming site or even my movie box that I have. Um, you, well, I, might, I may have to come down and rent it from you. What, Dan, what do you I'm think? I'm not going to lie to you. Your timing is perfect. Two weeks ago, we just got a beautiful new Blu-ray box set release of all five Omen movies in one set. Wow. The third the third one is kind of the last of the trilogy, and That's it's right. not the best. Okay. It, it, but you know what? It does give the first American acting debut of Sam Neill from Jurassic Park, because he plays grown-up Damien in his 30s, right? Okay. And 
the story kind of eh, it's it's worth it for him. It does get a bit morbid, you know, um, and it obviously has a happy ending, sort of. But um, yeah, it was a cool trilogy. You mentioned the Omen too, man. I just because I, I binge watched all three of them last week because right. I got these new Blu-rays in. Man, the Omen two has some crazy shit going on. Yeah. Like, like the dude who gets cut in half in the uh, elevator. Yeah. I'm like, god damn, that was. It was cool, like and and the music. You want to talk about music? How about the music in yeah. the Omen? I mean, that is that that's some like orchestrated opera stuff coming at you. You know, yeah. really biblical. So, yeah, no, the Omen uh, is great. But yeah, you, you know, you you no matter how bad a sequel is at times, you do want to see it for yourself to wrap up the story. Sure, I um respectfully do disagree with your assessment of one of the Exorcist sequels. Exorcist Two is garbage. It's so bad. Yeah. Nobody wants to watch it. But Exorcist Three Legion, I think, with George C. Scott, is a pretty damn good movie. Okay, um, because it was written and directed by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book The Exorcist. So I think it has some merit. Okay, uh, I may have to re- revisit that one um, mm-hmm. because uh, I am, I, I am interested in, uh, like you say, you want to kind of wrap up the story as as much as you yep. can. I mean. Once Jason was starting to take Manhattan, I was done. Um, you know, you know. <laughs> you mean uh, Jason? Jason takes a boat ride. He, yeah. He only got to Manhattan for the last few minutes. They only had enough money to film in Times Squares. The rest of it was all Vancouver, as we know. And my question always boggled me: It's a lake, right? Like Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. So how the hell does this boat leave a lake to get up to the East Coast to get to New York? Are there channels in this lake all of a sudden? Yeah. So you know, I know, shut exactly. my brain off, but. Well, that, but, and that's the thing you have to do with most horror movies. I mean, I, I try to watch one every night in, in October and you, you know, you mm-hmm. get to watching them and you're like, okay, well this should be done. This should be done. Like even watching the first, uh, nightmare on Elm street and you're like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, you're always asking questions. Why are they doing this? Because the logical thing would be to do something else. Um, but you yeah. kind of have to, um, suspend reality a little bit when you watch a horror movie, don't you? You do, you do. It's funny though. You mentioned the first time on Elm Street. You remember how they killed, or how Nancy kills Freddie at the end of it, right? She literally just says, "I don't believe That's you. Right. You're, you're not real. You don't scare me." Yeah. Uh, I just recently saw It Chapter Two, like a couple months ago. Okay. And I know it's based off the book and stuff, but I thought they'd switch it up because the ending always sucked in the book and in the original 1990 miniseries. And they kept the same ending. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god! All they're all they're doing is dissing Pennywise until he melts into a pie plate face." I'm like. Elm Street did this way better, like yeah. not even close. Um, but yeah, you, you do have to shut your brain off a little bit. Um, the Freddy franchise is all over the place. Uh, re- uh, real quick, though, getting back to Fred's teeth of these, like that that's franchise, Jason. That's like comfort food to me. That's like a Big Mac. It really is. Like the first four, especially. Yeah. Part four is the greatest. Friday the Thirteenth movie ever made. I don't care what people say. I, I would go six. One? I'm going six. You go six. Eh? Yeah. We actually screened six on the big screen a couple of years ago. The crowd was really responsive uh, to that one. Um, the reason I love Part Four: you got young Corey Feldman. Yeah. You got Crispin Glover doing his crazy man dance, and you got Tom Savini, one of the greatest special effects artists, back. He did the effects for Part One to come back for Part Four because he was promised it was going to be the last one. Oh, Tom, don't you <laughs> learn your lesson, my man. Oh, uh, you know, um, I, I just watched the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, on the big screen on uh, on Monday down at uh, Landmark City Theaters uh, City Center. Oh, sweet. And uh, it's amazing. You look at the first Nightmare on Elm Street and you got I- introducing Johnny Depp. Like, that's what it yep. says on the screen. You look at the first Friday the 13th, Kevin Bacon is a victim. You, so two big stars in two movies that spawned uh, a lot of uh, sequels. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, brother, you can keep going. I mean, honestly, when it comes to big stars getting their breaks, I mean, Jennifer Aniston, Leprechaun, Vigo Mortensen, Texas Chainsaw 3, Matthew McConaughey and Renee, Renee Zellweger, Texas Chainsaw 4, yeah. George Clooney, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, Return to Horror High, Brad Pitt, Cutting Class, uh, Forgotten 80s. Like, you know, it, it breaks my heart that a lot of these big-time actors look back on their early work and they're kind of embarrassed by it and shit. I'm like, man, if I was them, I'd just like, who cares? And I'd do a commentary for those movies. I mean, I think it'd be a blast. I mean, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Those franchises like Freddy, Freddy, especially, um, what's intriguing is the creator of Teens was Sean S. Cunningham. The creator of Nightmare on Elm Street was Wes Craven. Of course, those two cats back in 1972, 
get a movie together that really changed the face of horror movies because the Vietnam War was going on. They wanted to do something heavy that would relate to what was going on politically. So they did Last House on the Left, which wow. came up with the greatest, the greatest tagline ever. Remember, it's only a movie. It's right. only a movie. And uh, have you seen Last House on the Left? Yeah. That's a, it's, it's not a, a pleasant movie. By no. any means, but but it, it definitely hammers home a point. There's some of the 70s movies. The thing with horror movies that I think the average person doesn't really think about them, along with maybe science fiction, are the only movies that can talk about the real shit going on in the world of whatever's going on at that time, but they can cover it up by using these fantastical tales to to tell the story. I mean, look at Night of the Living Dead from yeah. 1968. I mean, you got Dwayne Jones, an African-American actor, in the lead. That was a huge deal back then. Uh-huh. I mean, we don't think of it now, but... Such an then. such an amazing ending to that movie too. I mean, the guy I get, the guy gets through everything, and then and spoiler alert, uh, if uh, if people <laughs> haven't seen it yet, but he gets through everything, and then the search party gets him right. Like what a what a crazy way to wrap that up, and a brilliant way up. to wrap that up. You know, and they left that kind of uh, an ambiguous ending too, Dean, where yeah. it was like, now, did they shoot him because I was a zombie, or was that just a redneck hillbilly piece of shit? You right. know, yeah. we don't know. And Romero always said, though, you know, and he passed away a couple of years ago. Actually, that, that one really hit me hard. It's always tough seeing your heroes, like, start passing off. Like, Wes Craven died, Toby Hooper, and George Romero. But Romero said he didn't want to make a political statement by casting Dwayne Jones when he was out in Pittsburgh. It's just he knew him. He was, his, he was the best actor for the job. It just worked out that way. You know, it was like serendipity. Yeah. And the craziest story is the night they were delivering the film print to screen it for the first time, Romero was in his car and that was the same night that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Huh. Same night. That's so unbelievable. Like, yeah. That movie's going to do more bank than they thought or hit heavier than they thought as well. Yeah. That, that is a, a great classic. I want to get into a couple of more classics in, uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes, but let's talk about new horror movies. There are not a lot of good ones, but you know, when you look at the whole, um, but there are some, there, there's a few really good gems out there in, in the past couple of years. Um, like yeah. I, I think the first conjuring was, was really good. Uh, I like, I like the Babadook right until the end. And then, and, and I, but I can't put it on that list. If you don't have a good ending, you're not a good movie. Um, I'm not sure what you think of the ending of the Babadook. All right, dude, here's the thing. So The Babadook was our closing movie. We premiered it first year at Edmonton, 2014. He had 400 people in that theater, and all people had to go on was there was one trailer out. And I think the 200 people that hated it thought they were coming in to see a monster movie because that's what the trailer gave you the idea. The 200 people that loved it realized it was a movie about mental illness. It was like the mom in that movie was basically Jack Torrance from The Shining. And that ending... That was no happy ending, man. I mean, it's pretty obvious she wrote the book and she kept writing the book. So everything's, oh, it's a happy ending because she's with her son. And I'm like, no, man, that kid is screwed. She's out of her mind. She's feeding her dead husband downstairs. Like, it's just, you know, it's actually a pretty messed up ending. But I can see why, you know, you cheer for a movie that's doing so good. And it's it's like, you know what, It's, it's literally the equivalent of an NFL game, you know, or CFL, you're running down that track. You see the the end zone. You're almost there, baby. Don't fumble it in the five yard line. Oh, you fumbled the ball. You know what I mean? Like it, we're doing so good. You know the way you just explained that ending now makes yeah. it make a little bit more. Before I just didn't. I'm like, what the hell is she feeding? What is going on? How did this happen? Now that you explained it that way, it actually is not bad. It, it's actually not oh, bad the yeah. way you explained it. I just couldn't couldn't figure it out. I'm like the hell is she doing feeding this whatever it is funny story dean uh i got a lot of random stuff at my shop i actually have the pop-up book from the babadook on wow. my desk it's in my store so every time people come in whether they loved or hated the movie everyone loves that pop-up yeah. book and i get i get parents bring their kids in and they're like oh i gotta take a picture with that book and it's a beautiful book i mean i paid enough for it signed by the director on the back but um, yeah, it's just one of those fascinating films. It's a female director, by the way, Jennifer Kent from Australia. Her new movie is called The Nightingale. It's coming out later this month, and it's getting some really, really heavy buzz. So uh, I'm definitely still willing. Even though I, I didn't love it, I'm kind of with you. I was somewhere in the middle, but I was never bored watching the movie. No. So I was I was engaged the entire time. Right. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what her follow-up effort's going to be like. I heard it's even tougher to watch. A lot of uncomfortable stuff going on with that bad boy. 
I, I liked uh, almost all that movie. Now that you explain it, it makes uh, it makes a lot more sense. Um, what about some other new movies that you really like that you would recommend to somebody? Yeah, I mean, okay, for the last 10 years, for a while, um, people were looking for new stuff that, that wasn't a remake of something they already knew. Right. And I would, uh, first thing I would always say is, like, are you cool with subtitles, man? You know, like, do you mind reading? Because some of the best stuff from, like, let's say 2005 up was definitely not coming from North America. Right. The French were knocking it out of the park for a while. They had movies like High Tension. They had movies like Martyrs, which is actually shot in Montreal. Inside, Frontiers. I mean, there is something about French extreme horror movies that, you know, you're never, they will stay with you. They will absolutely knock you out of the park. And then the Koreans were killing it. The movies mm-hmm. like Old Boy, which is more of a rendering, but something like I Saw the Devil, which is easily the best serial killer movie since Seven. You know, some heavy hitters. But North American styles, you know, lately there's this kind of a, I think we call it like a new genre. Movies like The Witch or Hereditary or... Uh, recently, last summer was mid- Midsummer, which was definitely paying tribute to the Wicker Man from the seventies. But where they're, they're kind of slow burners, but if you're attentive and you're in the right zone, these are the kind of movies I don't recommend going to a cheap night in a the theater with a bunch of people expecting 128 jump scares and ruin the experience for you. These are the ones you watch at home with your surround sound and just zone right into them. I think they definitely have a payoff. People always ask me, Kev, what scares you? What, what movies scare you? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm kind of desensitized. I mean, when you grow up around it your whole life, all you can hope for is A, to be entertained, or a movie that stays with you for a few days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to me, the, the worst experience being you go see a movie with your friends or your family or whatever, and then you bump into a buddy the next day, and you're like, what did you do last night? Oh, I went to check out a flick. Well, what would you see? Um, you literally can't remember what you saw. <laughs> like, it, that's how forgettable the movie was. It wasn't bad enough to remember, but also wasn't good enough to remember. But with some of these newer horror movies, with the small burning ones, they, they, they stay with you. You don't know how you feel about them at first. Uh, we screened one last year called The House That Jack Built, starring Matt Dillon and Uma Thurman, which was directed by Lars von Triers, who made a movie called Antichrist. And he's done some really art house stuff, but this was a straight up, like, American Psycho meets Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer nasty movie. I mean, it was uncomfortable. In fact, we warned our audience before they watched it, like, listen, the last screening of Cannes had 100 people walk out, so y'all be prepared, wow. right? Luckily, our, our, our crowd is very cool, and we serve alcohol in the theater, so only two people walked out. <laughs> Everybody else was, was down with it, and Matt Dillon just killed it. I mean, he was, he was, he was unreal. But um, uh, it, it, it's talking with new customers, like, Kevin, have you seen this? We checked out that. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I'll totally bring it in. Um, I'm a big fan of like uh, horror mixed with a little bit of humor as well to kind of like blend the two together. Not slapsticky and shit, just like clever dark comedy stuff going on. But um, I, I mean, look at this week in the theaters. The Lighthouse just opened up. Now, that's from the director of The Witch, starring uh, Will Nafoe and uh, Robert Pattinson from the Twilight movies or whatever. And that movie's supposed to be a trip too. So I'm just trying to look for for new and intriguing stuff, even though. My true love will always be the 80s, and my true love will always be like slasher movies and like what we talked about earlier, like John Carpenter and stuff like that. You know? have, you but, watched, um, uh, have you watched the uh, American Horror Story 1984? Are you watching that? Okay, so here's the thing. When it comes to shows, I know I really want to see this. I actually haven't watched American Horror Story in about five seasons, so I kind of dropped off after season three. But this one, I knew what it was about. I knew this was going to be my jam. Crazy. So what I tend to do... Is that I just wait till the whole thing is done, and I will oh, good, binge good. the hell out of it. Yeah, you'll yeah. love it because it's it it's basically uh, kind of it takes Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and kind of mm-hmm. mashes them together. It's great. It's gory. Uh, so if, you know the and, and and everything is the whole eighties references. I I uh, I really like. So I do like Hereditary is something I've heard a lot of good things about. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. see that because I've heard. Uh, some good things. And what are you expecting from Dr. Sleep uh, coming out? The sequel to The Shining with Ewan McGregor as a grown-up Danny Torrens. Well, it's funny you mention that. So as we all know quite famously, for the last 40 years, Stephen King absolutely hated Stanley Kubrick's movie because it wasn't his book. He never let that shit go, right? Yeah. So that's why, obviously, the 90s, he remade it from that miniseries with Stephen Weber from Wings and yeah. Rebecca De Mornay, which, yeah, it was closer to the book. We already had this conversation, but it wasn't good. No. It was just dragged out and too weird. So the guy who made Dr. Sleep is Mike Flanagan. And Mike Flanagan 
he's done a lot of good stuff. He did Oculus. He did uh, that Netflix series, the, uh, the Haunting of Hell House. That was awesome. Year. That was good. That was awesome. Maybe not the last episode. Even he regrets the yeah. ending. But aside from that, so what he had to do, he had the toughest job ever. So he had to take Stephen King's book, Dr. Sleep, adapt it into a screenplay. He had to go over to the Kubrick estate, get their permission, and go to Stephen King and say, listen, man, I know you hate the movie, but the reality is after 40 years, The Shining is like a synonyms, like it, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. People love Kubrick's Shining. So you have to accept that. King read the script. He's like, I totally accept it. Let's do it. And uh, it already premiered about a week ago. And uh, because of what I do and going to Film Fest and talking with other like critics, I've already gotten some feedback. Some buddies of mine in the States, I've already seen it. Like, dude, it is, it's good. I mean, it's really, really good. In fact, um, most up, uh, yesterday I found out they actually used some scenes that Kubrick shot for The Shining that were never actually put in The Shining. Ooh. So that's kind of cool, too. And look, man, I've been a fan of Ewan McGregor since Shallow Grave and Train Spotting back in the 90s. I mean, the guy, even though the prequel Star Wars movies were terrible, Ben Kenobi, he was just fine. So I'm stoked. I, I hope you are too, because I'm hearing nothing but good things. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Ewan McGregor has a great series called Long Way Around with his friend Charlie Borman, where they uh, basically. Oh, that's one, the motorcycle. Motorcycle. One, yeah. uh, it's a yeah. great. If you love Ewan McGregor, it's it's worth because there's some uh, funny stuff and some some crazy stuff that happens to them in that one as well. Uh, okay, so uh, speaking of scenes, um, The Exorcist, mm -hmm. you've never seen where where they've added in the crab walk and some of other things. Yeah makes it great. Um, I hear the book is really over the top that I and some stuff that I really don't want to read about, but uh, the movie was great. The Exorcist for me is the scariest movie of all time. Again, it's a kid, and anything kids do uh, in that regard scare me. I have no idea how Linda Blair, Linda Blair's parents let her do that movie um, yeah. and, and how they talked her into some of that stuff. But there's some good documentaries with, uh, I think it's Meredith McCambridge who did a lot of the voicing and the stuff that she did do her voice to make her sound like that. It's amazing. Oh, Your thoughts on The Exorcist. Is it the greatest I of have, all time? Um, it's in my top five. I will say that. And you know what's funny is I get a lot of the young kids coming in, maybe the U of A students, and they're like, Kev, you know, I don't know if that's scary. And I'm like, listen, I always tell them, pretend you're the age you are now, but it's 1974. Right. Yeah. Now, this movie opens up the day after Christmas in 1974. Lineups around the block and church business went through the friggin' roof after that. Dudes <laughs> yeah. were like running from the theater to their local churches yeah. trying to repent. And I don't care what people say. 40-something years later, almost 50 years now, and you have a 12-year-old girl masturbating with a crucifix saying, yeah. fuck me, Jesus? That is still heavy stuff in 2019. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is really, really heavy. The atmosphere, the ambiance, the torture that William Freakin put his actors through. By the way, some of the greatest directors that we love, or I love anyways, those guys wouldn't be allowed to direct That's movies right. today. The stuff he they convinced Linda was a Blair. Maniac. Yeah, like convincing her to do that. Is, is crazy because yeah. I don't think that was a, I think he actually coerced her, you know, convinced her to do some of that, that stuff. Um, you know, they did a good job of like her mm -hmm. flopping on the bed and the head and the, the, the pew, the pea soup fog that they used for the, yep. like it was the crab walk down the stairs though, is one of the freakiest things that I've seen. I know. I remember we saw that, that new, what was 1999, they played it. I saw it at Silver City, I think. Yeah, they, they brought it back out because it was never included. It was a 25th year anniversary right. back then. Oh, Jesus, I'm old. That was, oh yeah, this year is the 45th year anniversary. There you go. And um, yeah, no, that, that crab walk, I get why they didn't want it in the movie in the first place because freaking always said there was too much going on in those two minutes. Like there was like emotions going on that it just didn't, you know, like, Ellen Bernstein just finds over the death of her friend and she's reacting to that. And then she looks up the stairs and then here comes Reagan coming down. So yeah. he thought it was too much, but they put it back in, you know? Uh, and yeah, man, I actually have that literal figurine of her doing the crab walk. It's oh. on my desk at my shop. Like that one I have. Cause oh. that, that, that left an impression. Okay. So <laughs> let's get to it. Uh, you said the exorcist mm -hmm. is your top five for me. It's number yep. one. What is the okay. greatest horror movie of all time, in your opinion, and why? Okay, I'm going to say, I know this is a cliche, but I, uh, I have my reasons. It is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. I just watched and it last the reason, night. The reason it is the greatest of all time, in my humble opinion, 
it changed what a horror movie was about. Prior to that movie coming out, when you thought of horror movies in the 40s and 50s, it was gothic castles, far-off lands, these really fantastical creatures, Frankenstein, Wolfman, whatever. In the 50s, it was the nuclear age. It was giant bugs and ants and spiders. What Hitch did with Psycho, or, or Joseph Block did with the book, was he made evil your next-door neighbor. He made it somebody that just could be in any person. You watch Psycho. That scene with Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins in the parlor when he's trying to offer her a sandwich, yeah. and he talks about his mom, if you know nothing about the story, you're like, man, this guy's pathetic. Like, you, you, you're never threatened by him. You're not scared by him. He's just like this weak harmless. mama's boy. Looks harmless. And yeah. you, harmless. And obviously we know how the movie transpires. That last shot of Anthony Perkins sitting in the interrogation room with the blanket around him, and the fly is on his hand, and you hear Mrs. Bates' voice like, I wouldn't even hurt this fly. I mean, he just stares at the camera. You're like, holy shit. Like, that is that is some... I mean, I know he was loosely based off real-life killer Ed Gein from Wisconsin 1959 before that. But um, that movie transcended horror movies. It, made, it, it brought horror movies to our neighborhoods, to, to rural wherever you live. You know, it could happen. Your neighbor could be that person. There was nothing like that at the time. So to me, that was very revolutionary. And that's why it stands out to me. Yeah, and uh, you know, like th there's such a great uh, um, line lineage with that movie of Janet Lee to um, her daughter Jamie uh, Lee, J yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, in yeah. in Halloween, right? So, and and I yeah. think I think they did they make a movie together at at one point. I'm I'm not really sure. Oh but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what movie it was. It was directed by John Carpenter. Yeah, from 1981. It was The Fog. That's right. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I because oh, I saw and, and and Janet Lee before she passed away had a cameo in Halloween H two O. That's what it was. Yeah, that, that yeah. she she was because I just saw a documentary on on Alfred Hitchcock and and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis speaks in that movie about her mother and the effect of that movie and you know what it the effect it had on her for the rest of her life getting into a shower. Yeah, for sure. And it, did you notice in that cameo in Halloween show, if you watch it, when Janet Lee's, I think she was her secretary at the, the school or whatever, when she's saying goodbye, the vehicle she gets into is the same damn car from Psycho. Right. It's just now it's in color. So like, oh, oh it was blue, but it's the car from Psycho. That's How cool awesome. is that? That is, yeah, uh, nice. that is awesome. Uh, yeah. Kevin, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I, uh, I implore people to come in and uh, check out the Lobby DVD shop. Uh, let, let our listeners know where you're located. Yeah, no problem, Dean. Uh, I'm on 10815 uh, White Avenue. I'm below the Cambridge Daycare Center. So now I'm at the last video store in Edmonton. I'm pretty sure I'm the only video store below a daycare. <laughs> it's, uh, and the, the kids are still the creepiest thing in the whole building. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's terrifying. Um, and they can definitely, I just finally, after 14 years, got a brand new website where they can see the history of the store, everything we filmed there. Uh, it's called thelobbymovies.com. Um, check it out. I update it every day. I write articles. I just nerd out about movies and my opinions and shit. And uh, I'm there seven days a week, man, like 12 till 7 usually. So always bringing in about 70 new flicks a week. And if there's a movie you just can't find anywhere in this city, you give me two weeks or less, I'll bring it in for you. I know I can track it down. Awesome. Good stuff, Kevin. This has been a lot of fun, uh, and I look forward to uh, future film festivals and uh, coming in and visiting you in the shop. Thanks a lot for joining me. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. You have a great day. Happy Halloween. <laughs> This is Sports and More Live, where the dead control the airwaves. There's nothing scarier than dead air. Sports talk with vampire bite. Uh, that was a great conversation with uh, Kevin Martin from the Lobby DVD shop. Uh, really knowledgeable, especially some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, the list of uh, A-list actors that uh, got their start in horror movies is a pretty prestigious one. And that's where we're going with with the Acme Meat Market trivia question.
Once again, a gift card from Acme Meat Market is up for grabs. You'll get to go in and say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton at 9570 76th Avenue. You can also check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. And know that when you get something from Corey the Butcher, you're basically getting it from the Marc Messier of Butchers uh, because Corey was recently named team to Team Canada uh, for the World Butchers Challenge in September of 2020. So good stuff, high quality, friendly service in a cool area of town, 9570 76th Avenue. So our Acme Meat Market trivia question is, what three-time Academy Award nominee made his film debut in A Nightmare on Elm Street? It's not terribly difficult. What three-time Academy Award nominee made his film debut in A Nightmare on Elm Street? If you know that, if you heard it during the interview or you just know it, you can email me, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. Sports and more pod at gmail.com. If you know that answer, hit me up and you could be getting a gift card from Acme Meat Market. All right, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful Halloween or if you're listening to this after Halloween, uh, that your Halloween was spooky and uh, scary. I'm going to be in the Rutherford area, Halloween night, uh, so if you're listening to this on uh, the uh, 31st and you want to come and uh, check out a spooky spot with my very scary costume, it'll be in Rutherford and uh, the cul-de-sac of 20th Avenue and 126th Street. So 20th Avenue, 126th Street in the cul-de-sac in Rutherford. That's where I'll be stationed, spooking things up. Thanks so much to Kevin Martin from The Lobby DVD Shop. Thanks to you for listening. Of course, thanks to Acme Meat Market for putting up a gift card that you could win just for knowing a little Nightmare on Elm Street trivia. See you next week. We'll be back on Tuesday at our regularly scheduled day. Playtime is over. This is Sports and More Live where you can be heard. But make sure it's a hot take. Or I'll eat your soul. Text the show 1 780 803 1 Thank you.